Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Ken Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. What's going on? How you doing? How was your week? Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well. How are you, Dr. A? I'm good. I'm good. Last week worked out all right for me. I'm still here. Glad to hear it. I'm happy to be here too. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So for those listening or watching for the first time, we welcome you to Pot Liquor Podcast. Uh, please email us at potliquorshow at gmail.com and check out our website, potliquorpodcast.podbean.com. So we want y'all to uh, email us and let us know how we are doing. And, you know, all suggestions and comments are welcome. But as always, we start our show off with the wow of the week. And our wow of the week comes from Fannie Lou Hamer. And she says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, given the time she was speaking um, there were a lot of things that were unfair that were happening to African Americans and she was vocal about them but just like a lot of police killings of unarmed African Americans uh, folks get tired of seeing it over and over again she was tired of the atrocities so when people kept saying, I'm sick and tired of this, there was so much to get sick and tired of that she came up with that line. That's famous. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. What say you? Indeed. I love. I, I just love Fannie Lou Hamer. She was just an amazing civil rights activist and an example of how an ordinary person can do extraordinary things. And I think if you're black in America, you can relate to what she's saying. We're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there's a lot to be sick and tired of. Yes, yeah, so that's Fannie Lou Hamer. Our words of wisdom of the week. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So, before we get into what's going on, we will jump into our first plug of the week. And that first plug will be Bose. 
And I hear my Bose headphones that I use when I when I work out. Here they are. You can see them on the camera. These are very instrumental to me. <laughs> I use them while I'm in the gym. I also use them um, like when I'm in department stores or the grocery store, my office, uh, when I get a phone call. I don't like people hearing my conversation. And I don't like holding the phone to my ear. So, yes, Bose headphones, I would recommend them. Um, I used to rock the beats, but they used to tear all the time. And not trying to uh, put a stain on beats, but yes, Bose is definitely the way to go. Let us move on. Let us move on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so our first story today uh, is a very interesting one. It deals with a superstar basketball player from the University of Alabama, um, Brandon Miller. Um, it seems like folks were upset that nothing happened to Brandon Miller. For those of you who don't know, uh, Darius Miles, uh, Brandon's former teammate, um, was charged with capital murder uh, for killing a young lady with his gun. Uh, what we have found out is that uh, Miller is the one who brought the gun to Darius Miles and some people were getting on the University of Alabama saying like uh, Miller should have been suspended or something should have been done doing the investigation. Um, however, police said that uh, he would not be charged. Um, but they had, you know, games that were televised and this was talked about. And I wasn't really understanding why they were throwing his name under the bus. What, what say you? Yeah, this is a very interesting situation. I kind of uh, found out about it when I was uh, watching the basket, just a little bit of a basketball game and the fans there were booing him. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why are they booing him? And lo and behold, you know, lo and behold, this is why. Um, I think, first of all, it's unfortunate that a young woman was killed in this incident. Uh, Jamia Harris was killed when she was sitting in the car with her boyfriend. Um, but I don't, so my, condo, my condolences to her family, um, I, but I don't expect for anything to happen to Brandon Miller because he's a top NBA prospect. He has helped this team. Is that um, I'm just saying, I think he's going to be protected um, here um, from any charges. They're going to protect him at the university because he's helping them win. Um, you know, apparently Alabama has never. Wait, wait, won. wait, wait, wait. So you, you, you think he shouldn't be protected and he should be suspended? No, I'm saying it is a very tenuous position here as far as any prosecution because of the chain of custody of the gun. It was in his, the gun was in his car. The gun belonged to Darius Miles and apparently Michael Davis, who was, was the actual trigger man. 
Um, and all of these people were on camera at the scene of the incident, including uh, Brandon Miller's teammate, Jaden Bradley. So they were all at the scene, but I don't think that Brandon Miller should be charged just because he delivered the gun to the owner who asked for it. So all he was doing was bringing him his property, right? So no, I get what I, you're I, saying, I, I, but it seems that you're implying like if he was a lesser player or if he was a student and not a player that they probably would have suspended him because you're saying the university is yeah, protecting him. I, I do believe that. Yes, I do. I do believe that he is enjoying a little bit of privilege here. Um, he, I think, you know, he has a viable defense, like I said, because but he wasn't charged. So if he's no, not, he wasn't. So why would the university need to protect him if he wasn't charged with the murder? Like he's not charged with the murder. You, you, you thinking that him being there is enough for him to be suspended? It could be. I mean, people have been canceled for less and, you know, suspended for less. That the fact that he was even involved in this situation, he was involved. Barely, how involved? Well, he had to deliver the gun, right? So he delivered the gun to the gun owner at at this club that they were attending at one one forty in the morning. Yeah. After they left the club. He gave. So he was there, right? He gave and, him the gum after he left the club. Yes. So he was with them. Right. So remember Allen Iverson? Who, before he became a, an NBA player, got into a, a, a brawl at a bowling alley. Right. He left and was still charged with, with, with murder and went to jail for it. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah, in that in that in that, in that in, well in that so, case is the complete opposite because they weren't protecting Allen Iverson, the schools. Well, this was when he was in high school. Yeah. So that's different. Maybe if he had been on a team, on a college team, perhaps he would have been protected. I don't know. But but the point I'm trying to make is that people have been charged in situations where you could argue they had nothing to do with it. Allen Iverson literally left the club before somebody was killed, but he was still blamed for it and still charged with somebody's murder. And so this, I'm just suggesting that the same thing could have happened here. I mean, I'm glad that he wasn't charged with murder because I feel as if, if, if he didn't pull the trigger, then he shouldn't be charged with anyone's murder. But I'm just saying people can't. Well, Darius know, Miles is, is, is charged with the murder and he, and, and Michael Davis is the one that pulled the trigger. Right. And so that's exactly my point. You see what I'm saying? Like it could have happened to Brandon Miller as well. And, and I think Darius Miles should have a, a pretty strong defense as well. Oh, he doesn't. What do you mean he does? He doesn't I mean, have a defense. I mean, he got charged. <laughs> he did, but he hasn't been convicted. No, he hasn't been convicted. So um, I'm just saying. But, not, but I'm just saying that the university didn't protect him. They well, he's him not the his top NBA prospect. You well, see what I'm he, trying to he say? Was at, 
he wasn't the top, but he's an NBA prospect. I, I just don't think it had anything to do with the University of Alabama. I just think when it comes to uh, well, it, it, it didn't have anything to do with his uh, place as a uh, student athlete. I think this had to do with the law. And if police like saying, well, the investigation into Brandon Miller is over and we are not charging him at all, I think th that makes the university say, okay, uh, he's not being charged, so we can definitely uh, let him play. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, I I see what you're saying, but it just seems like, yeah, he's going to get continue to get pushback, apparently, from. From these. Uh, the fans, you know, when they have away games or. It, it appears that they're going to, you know, the fans are still not happy about him not being charged here, but. Yeah, his his attorney was saying that. Uh, Miller had no way to know if they were going to use the gun to shoot somebody. I would agree with that. Right. I would agree with that. But again, how did Darius Miles, how did um, Darius Miles get in it? I mean, especially if his, if, you know, it was a registered weapon and he It seems like it, he was a part of, part of the conflict. Uh, if he obtained it legally, and he did not pull the trigger. It's like, how did he get charged with it? And again, anyone can be charged, but it's about whether or not the prosecution can prove their case beyond, a, you know, prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. So he will have a defense. But the, but the point I'm making is that Brandon Miller could have been charged as well. Apparently, they didn't feel as if the prosecution didn't feel as if they had enough evidence to charge him and convict him of a crime and that's a good thing but i'm just saying i don't think you can dismiss the fact that he is a top nba prospect and he is helping this program to be you know to have a, he's helping alabama to have a winning program if if, if, so, if if he was charged he'd be off the team period just like they did with darius miles darius miles was suspended right away boom Right. Um, so. And that's you're you're helping actually to bolster my argument because the same thing could have happened to Brandon Miller, but it didn't. And I suspect that it may have had something to do with his position. On but that's not, OK, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's where we differ. I think it has everything to do with the incident because you phrase it like they didn't have enough evidence. The cop says there there is no no evidence to warrant a charge against Brandon Miller. But one thing we don't know from the articles that I've read is was Brandon Miller at the scene of the shooting at the time that Jamia Harris was killed? Was he there or did he just drop off the weapon and keep getting up? You know what I mean? Like did he just drop it well, off? He said like, he was there. Right. And he was there just like Darius Miles, the gun owner, was there. 
Michael Darius Miles the Sugar Man was there. Darius Miles Bradley, the teammate, was there. Darius all on camera. Darius Miles was a part of the conflict, though. Not saying that he's not going to get acquitted, uh, but he was a part of the the conflict that went down with the, I believe, the boyfriend in the car or what have you. But so this, this this is this is an inter this is an interesting. It is. This is an interesting situation, and uh, we will be sure to follow it. And let us move on. So from one controversy to the next, it seems like uh, Governor Abbott is against diversity hires. Governor, he's the governor of Texas. Surprise, surprise. And um, yeah. It seems that um, he feels like diversity hires are illegal. Mm-hmm. And he's getting a lot of pushback with that. Yeah, he's, uh, putting, he's putting these programs on hold in the University of Texas. Uh, and Texas A&M University. In the whole system, yeah. yeah. Pending, re- pending review, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. What 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 do you say about this? So yes, yeah, so apparently the chairman of the University of Texas board, Kevin Eltief or Eltife, yeah, however you pronounce that, yeah. is uh, suspending these programs because he's saying some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts have strayed from their original intent to new to to to. Um, to now imposing restrictions and actions that concern policymakers, which, and and I don't know what that means. And apparently they weren't able to present any, any uh, meeting about that. Right. There's no NBC asked them. They had nothing. Exactly. So I just think there's clearly a trend here with, um, Attacks trying to make it on, like affirmative action. Yeah, and t- a on any type of affirmative action here. Um, and I just I think the pushback that they're getting from blacks and Latinos is definitely appropriate and, and necessary here. I mean but diversity hires is not just race though. Thank you. Yeah, and that's yeah. the whole point. It's they they want to it's, sex, it's yeah. class, it's um age, it's yeah, age. sexual orientation, yes, it's disability. disabilities, it's yeah. veteran status, it's right. so I it's mean a lot that's included, but exactly you hear the word diversity, and you know, this is me speculating. I just want to say that, and you just feel like their number one fight is against racial hires. That's really the bottom line. And again, I think this is just like all of the other, just like the the attacks on um, African American studies. Just anything to galvanize their base in the you know run up to to the election. I think that's what this is about. This is going to mobilize the base to come out and vote when it's time for the presidential election. Um, but I just think you know these hiring practices, you know, they're they're necessary because I think without them, we're just going to, there's not going to be any representation from other groups besides, you know, white men, because the thing speaks for itself. And they're saying here that they're still, you know, 
no diverse like a lack of diversity with the faculty and staff and the students in, in this whole uh, system, the Univers University of Texas system. There's still a lack of diversity. So yeah. I think you know it's not in, it's not in their favor. <clears throat> right. I mean, have you heard the saying that when when you've enjoyed privilege for so long, equality feels like oppression? Yeah. And that's why they you know. They're pushing back on this. Yeah, I think this is definitely uh, ridiculous. Um, um, there needs to be diversity, equity, inclusion at every institution. Um, and again, when you bring that up, or the first thing they start attacking, they say, well, these folks are not getting hired based on their merit so now they're not qualified exactly so now when you bring in diversity that means unqualified or underqualified people will be getting positions over qualified people and we know that's just but not true <laughs> i would say if you think that is true why isn't it true now even without diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you're telling me that every person that gets their job is super qualified, right? Just because they're white. Well, <laughs> or, you know, they're other hired, just period. Like, like if a black person gets their job now, not under diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's like, is, is he qualified? <laughs> So if he was qualified before, right, then why wouldn't he be qualified under diversity, equity, and inclusion? And that's basically saying that you should look to make your faculty and your staff um, more diverse. Well, I mean, I think many studies have shown that there's a benefit to having diversity Great. Whether it's in a corporation, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's at a university, whether it's on a faculty, there's always a benefit to having representation from various demographics. But here, the Abbott administration is saying that these programs have been manipulated to push policies that expressly favor some demographics to the, detriment, to the detriment of others and that's just not true this cold talking to me this is just exactly. my opinion of you know uh minorities are getting hired um because they're minorities and uh white folks are um receiving a backlash because of it uh to me that's the uh whistle uh blowing that you hear the bottom line is we have to take affirmative steps to achieve diversity or else it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I agree. And let us move on. All right. So uh, what's happening with Michael Irvin? Oh, my goodness. Let's explore this. So do you want to tell our audience what's going on with Brother Irvin? So Michael Irvin, 
apparently the NFL pulled him from the Super Bowl. He's supposed to commentate during the Super Bowl. So he was pulled during the Super Bowl after a woman's complaint. Now, to me, just the title of the article alone just highlights the fact that this is wrong. The fact that you can be pulled from a position based on someone's allegation without any proof or conviction here. So, yeah, he was supposed to call Super Bowl, what is it, 52, this past Super Bowl. And he was staying at a hotel in Arizona. And apparently he had been out drinking, came into the hotel at four in the morning, three in the morning, and had apparently a 60 second, 45 second, 60 second conversation with one of the employees in the hotel. And he says after that, he went straight up to his room alone. And lo and behold, the Marriott basically informed the NFL that this woman yeah. right, made this allegation of some type. I don't even know what she alleged <laughs> he did to her, um, made some type of allegation. And then the NFL just decided that based on the allegation, they're going to remove him from that position of calling the game that day. So, I mean, I just think, number one, the Marriott... Well, from his, appear his appearances, um, I don't think he 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 was calling the game because the game was called on Fox. But I think they pulled him for his weekly appearances leading up to uh, the NFL because, you know, he's a commentator. Right. And so ESPN pulled him. And the whole week of, yeah, the whole... Press, what do they call it? Right, like, and the NFL Network pulled him. Yeah, press coverage. Yeah. They pulled him from that. Um, and now he is suing. He's filing the lawsuit, or he filed a lawsuit against the Marriott, I think, for $100 million. Yep. Yeah. Because of slander. Um, so we're going to see how this plays out. Um, it's funny that they're, well, I don't want to use that word funny. It's strange that they are not um, seeing what the what his actions were. Right. It's um, on camera. They had yeah. it on camera, and I think he was upset that they won't they wouldn't release the video. So everybody, right. his attorney was upset that they didn't release the video. So what 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 is going on here? Uh, what does the hotel have something to hide? Okay, but this is what he said. He says, Sunday night when I came into the hotel, they asked what I did, and I said, I just went straight to my room. But I guess I had met somebody in the lobby, talked to somebody in the lobby for about a minute, and then I went to my room. And then after I got up there, they said they had to move me in the hotel. And I, and I said, move me in the hotel for what? So they moved my hotel, and I said, what's going on, guys? What's happening? Why are we moving hotels? And they said, well, last night you walked in, you talked to somebody. I said, I didn't talk to anybody. I went straight to the room. And then they showed it on camera that I did talk to somebody. I talked to this girl for about a minute. I don't know what they didn't show it to me. They told it to me. I didn't see it, 
but that's why they moved me because I guess the girl said I said something to her within that minute that we talked. And so they moved me. So I don't even know. I can't even think of anything that someone could say to an employee that would rise to the level that would have you to be removed from media coverage for the whole week. Like I, I can't imagine what that could be, but I think it's wrong for the, it was wrong for the Marriott to report him to the NFL based on basically hearsay. This is what this woman said, you know, he said, he said to her or did to her or whatever, but based on basically hearsay that they reported him to the NFL. And then the NFL based on that same hearsay said, no, you can't, you can't do this coverage. So to me, that's just, that's just something ain't right. <laughs> I, I think we need more information and something just ain't right. Yeah. Something is isn't right. <laughs> I agree with you on that. So we're going to watch this play out too. And let us move on. Okay, so now we are going to plug our brand of the week. And our brand of the week is a cologne that I wear, Valentino. Here are a couple of bottles that I use, Valentino. They look like the same, but you can see the tops are a little different and they're different scents. Um, Valentino is, it's a, it costs a pretty, pretty penny, um, but it's a good scent. It's a strong, more, I don't know, I, I guess you would say woodsy smell. Well, one of them are, another one is, is, is not, um, but I'm not going to say they're my go-tos, but I definitely wear them like quite often. Um, and I do get comments on it. I guess you get comments on anything when you smell good. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, Valentino is what we, uh, what I rock, and that is our brand of the week. Nice. Yes. Let us move on and let us move on. So we have a special guest with us today. Uh, full disclosure, this is a fraternity brother of mine. And I want to thank him for coming on to the show. He's going to talk to a little bit to us today about uh, financial literacy, something that... Um, I think a, a lot of people in this country uh, need to take care to. Uh, this is Brother Roscoe Clinton. What's up, Roscoe? How you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Dr. A. Thank you, Mrs. Jackson, for this Welcome. time. Welcome. Okay. So before we get started, as always, won't you just tell our audience and our viewers uh, a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I graduated from University of Houston in computer engineering in about 2012. Um, before that, I graduated from Sam Houston. I had a bachelor's in uh, broadcast production as well. Um, graduated in 2008. I've been working, I did ADP for about eight years. 
Um, and right now I'm an accountant for Roper Technologies and it just helps to be able to understand how money moves. Okay, so what's a basic tip uh, about, let's talk about saving. I think that's uh, something that we all need to do. Uh, how, best, what, what tip would you give our uh, listeners? The best tip is to be able to understand your income versus expenses. You cannot save for investing if you don't know how much you are spending as your expenses being able to identify how much you're spending on a monthly basis or how much you are able to versus how much you're getting in. That's the most important thing. And once you figure out that, that's when you can legitimately say, hey, I'm going to put $10, $20 a month towards investing. But if you put $20 a month and you don't know your income versus expenses, what's going to happen is, is after like what, a week or two weeks of it sitting in a stock or anything, you're going to want to pull it out because you're going to need it. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, all right. So before we get into investing, like into stocks, um, if say for instance, you, you just said that we need to know our expenses, like what are our, what are our bills, our monthly bills, and things of that nature, and we get a check, so we get this amount of money coming in and this amount of money goes out and then you have something left over. Um, do we try to eliminate bills? Like, okay, I'm not going to get all these credit cards. Um, or do, do we try to eliminate the spending of it or both? You have to eliminate the spending. Um, one of the things that I've also learned, especially with like when it comes to credit scores, a lot of the people who have an 800 plus credit score actually has an average of eight credit cards. It's not just one that they deal and make sure it's obtained correctly. I think one of the things is being able to is still hold and still go back to being able to spend money as opposed to spending cash. One of the tips that I definitely try to tell my peers around me is use your credit card to be able to pay for gas or pay for your food for the week. Take $100 out and use it as cash. Anything else, use just that cash. It slows up the amount of times you're using your credit card. And in slowing up that amount of time, you don't get charged as much. You don't get those nickel and dime charges that, that you're so that you get so unmindful of until the until the day that you have to pay your credit card, you'd be like, why is it so high? And you have to look back and be like, man, they nickel and dimed me every time. So let's say if you let's say if you take out a hundred dollars, you you use those hundred dollars throughout the week. Once let's say if you don't spend all a hundred, put that in an envelope and then do it again. And then after four months, three months, you should maybe have about $30, $40. Go enjoy yourself. Go go do something fun. Go do something nice. That makes sense. So what do you think about uh, automatic saving? So if you can figure out, okay, I can afford to save $20 every, every time I get paid. Uh -huh. Does it make sense to do automatic savings where it just automatically goes into your account and you, so you get used to living on $40 less a month because it's, it's, you don't even see it because it's, I would, I would even, I would even take it a step further. As opposed to automatically saving, do the direct deposit savings. 
have mm-hmm. it where two percent or five percent of your actual gross check or net check goes into a savings account you won't see it it's already there and by doing that whether it's a credit union or whether it's another bank or another savings account those small tips will definitely add up and then now you'll actually have the funds but it doesn't feel like you actually lost anything right and so then you also have to be disciplined enough not to want to dip into that that's that's the problem that's the problem that's the but you have to also understand what savings is for. If you're going to dip in because you want to be able to go party, then you're not using it correctly. But let's say if you're on a freeway and you get a flat tire and then you dip into your savings, it's for the emergency funds. You have to understand what you're saving for and why you're saving. Okay. So as far as investing, what is a good way for the new investor to start investing? What is... um you know, a low risk sort of vehicle that can be used to sort of warm someone up to investing, not just saving, but investing the money to grow it. Or, or I'm sorry, let me just piggyback on that. Or how, what material or what website you would send somebody to for beginners to find out like how to invest wisely. I think one of the, uh, that was a two-part question. I think one of the best ways to be able to say, hey, I'm going to invest. um, Robinhood is a very good app. Robinhood, and I also like Acorns, is a very good app. And Robinhood wasn't around when we were younger. It was, you had to call a broker. You had to uh, be able to look at the newspaper to see the updates, especially with the Robinhood app. It makes it a lot more convenient to be able to invest. And being able to invest, I would definitely say to start with dividends. It's not something that's going to make you $1,000 tomorrow, but it's something that's going to continually showcase that you can win despite the stock market going up or down. If it goes down, you're still going to get those dividends either quarterly or monthly. If it goes up, then you got the, the interest of how much it went up, plus you also made the quarterly and div- uh, the, the quarterly and monthly dividends. By starting there, that's where I feel like a lot of people start to gain trust in what this stock market is. They when when they can do, I can put in fifty dollars towards a dividend account. Let's say Coca Cola. After a quarter, after a quarter uh, of the year, they're going to pay me forty six cents or fifty cents per stock that I own. Some maybe I make a buck fifty, maybe I make three dollars, but that's a lot better than putting it into Chase or putting it into Wells Fargo and making a penny on that same amount of time. So you're talking about investing in individual stocks that pay dividends versus investing in a mutual fund. Yes, and the reason why is because investing in because the dividends is more closer to a savings account than the bonds. I think the bonds is something that you have to be understanding that that's going to be something that's a long-term thing. When you invest in the bonds, you can't three months later want it to be able to take it out. But if you invest into dividends, I treat that almost like a savings account. You put, let's say you put $200 in there, uh, you buy Coca-Cola or O, and then what happens is you get those investments on a monthly or quarterly basis. Then you start to see those improvements instantly. If you invest into the bonds, and I've had friends that did, they invest in the bonds and then they start losing money and then they get nervous. They, I don't want to do this. This is not really working out for me. Maybe this isn't for me. You know, maybe I came in at the wrong time. But if I give it to them, but if I tell them to invest 
$200 into dividends, if the same market was still crashing as it, as it would, and say it went down another 10 or 15%, they're still going to make their dividends and they'll still see that they're winning in some form or fashion. So with the dividends, do you recommend reinvesting the dividends in those stocks or just saving the dividends? Reinvesting into the stock, reinvest it back into it. So then once you reinvest it back into that dividend stock, then you buy partial of that dividend once again. If you do need to be able to pull it, then you can be able to pull it and it would be like its own savings account that builds up a better interest than what you would make at the bank. Okay. If I could be transparent without being too transparent about myself, I think one of my habits is um, wanting to save a bulk of money at one time. Like I just heard you and Kim talk about $20, $40 here. And I start like, if I can't save like $200, $300, then I'm saying to myself, is it is it worth it? You know, um, and I think that is a mistake that I do. I remember my uncle said, rest in peace. He said, every check, if you put $20 away, you're doing something. Um, and I would look at it and say, oh, it's only $140. I could put that $140 in the next month, you know, um, instead. Of, and But I do also, you know, that's one thing. I think one thing I try to do well is, not just set up a savings, but actually set up an emergency account too at the mm -hmm. same time. So I don't mm -hmm. ever have to touch the savings. So I kind of like, you almost like duplicate it. Um, or maybe it's a little bit more in the savings, a little less in, a, in an emergency. Because Kamala Harris says, I remember when they were running and she said, most people in the United States can't afford an unexpected $400 bill. Like it's something like you just said, like flat tire, like flat tires come up. And if you got a vehicle where your tires are four hundred, five hundred dollars a pop and you get two flat tires or what have you, you talking eight hundred to a thousand dollars. Yeah. And if you don't have that around, you have to like probably wait until payday and then be like, oh, OK, now let me go pay for these tires so yeah that's one thing that i try to do i think the most important thing is a lot of people they will be like hey i need to have x amount of money to be able to start investing or i need to have x amount of money to start being able to um put towards this stock or put towards this bond or ira and it's it's not necessarily the amount it's more so the consistency if you put in three grand today and i put in fifty dollars every week for the entire year if you just put your three grand and stop eventually mines will begin to build up more interest because of my consistency mm -hmm. the consistency is the most important thing and especially in investing and being consistent despite the stock markets going down despite the stock markets going up be consistent that's if it, if it evens ten dollars if it's even twenty dollars be consistent I, I like the idea of let's say hey i'm gonna start i'm gonna start off and i'm gonna put like two thousand dollars into a dividends or put two thousand dollars into a bond or put two thousand dollars into an ira but then after that how much can you be consistent of and that's where it goes back to understanding your income versus expenses yeah. to be able to say i can be able to put in fifty dollars a week afterwards mm. And one thing I'd also say, invest in what you do. If you 
if you fly Southwest, invest in Southwest. If you if you have a Verizon phone or a T-Mobile phone, invest in T-Mobile or Verizon. Make, use those things that you use or the bills that you take on a monthly basis and find out if they're on the stock market and invest in those things. Yeah, I used to have stock in Nike because mm-hmm. I'm a Nike, Nike guy. Maybe I should get back into that. Get back into it. it, 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 it because then what happens is, is that when you start seeing growth in that, then it, it's like, okay, hey, I can be able to spend money on the on the products and it's not like it's there's no roi in it as well you see that double fold when not only you're investing into nike but you're also spending into nike so roi for everybody that's return on investment right return on investment okay have you heard that question where they ask you would you rather have a million dollars or a penny doubled every day for 30 days which demonstrates the power of compound interest. <laughs> After 30 days with compound interest, that penny doubled every day would be $5,368,709. That's the said, power. You said 30 interest. days, all right? Yeah, you double yeah, the penny. You, know, you double it 30 days, that's how much it would be. Yeah. And, and I like, and, and for instance, and for me, because of having the idea of being patient for 30 days, doing the penny makes sense but there are some people who don't have that time to be able to invest um gamestop was one of those things that broke the a lot of mentality of being patient and investing gamestop was one of those situations where it blew up in literally like three to four days and then now everybody thinks i can just put this in and in three or four days i'm going to be a rich person and it's not going to be feasible it's not going to happen as often as those has. GameStop right. was an anomaly. So, Bitcoin too. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin is one too. But in being able to have those, you have to understand. There's some people that are in a great position where if they got a million dollars today, they could be able to put enough investments and enough money in the right places where they wouldn't even, where 5 million would seem like small change after five day, after 30 days. But then there's also some people that wouldn't know what to do with that money and they would spend it irresponsibly where, hey, I should have done the 30 days and got it little by little and I would have been more secure. It's it's mm-hmm. more so, especially with those type of questions, you more so see the mentality of the person rather than the strategy of the money. Slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> So one of one of the apps I have is Rocket Money. Okay. And it it basically it lets you know like what do you have coming out of your accounts. Uh because we have so many uh automatic withdrawals. Sometimes you can forget you go into your bank account one day, you have a certain amount of money, you going out to the store the next day, you get there, you like what happened? And then you go back and you're like, oh, okay. So Rocket <laughs> Rocket Money lets you know like days in advance, this is coming out, this is coming out, so you can be more prepared for that. And it's just so many things now, you know, like your bills and then like if you have the different streaming services, if you have things with Apple account, and it just, it's not like it's a lot of money, but some it adds up. It adds up. Seven ninety-five here, $11 here, 12 and then you're like, oh man, like, so I have a separate account just for that. 
just for those. Okay. Yeah, I just put money in that account and I'm like, I don't use that card unless I really, really have to. I don't use that card and I just let the, uh, you know, the deductions, you know, them deduct from that account. But, you know, I have to put it in there, you know, every month um, and get that totaled up. And Rocket has let me know, like, how much money per month is coming out. So then mm-hmm. I can say, okay, I can set this money aside. And and the key is, like you said, don't touch it. <clears throat> don't touch it. That's the, the key is to be able to, to say don't touch it, but you also have to be prepared to not touch it. You were just making a suggestion about saying not a lot of people have enough money to be able to withstand a $400 emergency. Mm-hmm. You cannot invest if you can't, if you don't even have 500 or $400 to the side in case of those emergencies, in case of, um, you know, the car never tells you the day before that it's going to break down. Right. (laughs) 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 It has never told me the day before that it's going to break down. I wish it would have, but it never tells me. So when you have that type of when you have that type of understanding, you're going to invest a little differently, but you have to start from a basis. Um, a lot of my peers, there was never a net. There's never like a trust fund or there's never like, a, oh, I have this money in savings so I can be able to do this. We have to first develop that to build the security, to have the confidence to be able to invest and use our money to be able to create generational wealth. Yeah. Kim, you got anything else? You're on mute, Mrs. Jackson. I would just say um, I like the idea of investing in stocks that pay dividends because I think the suggestion is that we should all have, is it seven streams of income? Seven streams. And so that's another stream uh-huh. that you could have. It's the dividend uh-huh. income. You could get interest income from other stuff. You could have a side hustle. You could have a salary from your nine to five. So it just you know, put you one step closer to having those um, seven streams. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I got three more streams to go. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 is the first, this is the first time I'm hearing that. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Seven, seven streams is the goal, but you're constantly working on those streams as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to give it up to Roscoe and I appreciate you, man, for coming on and sharing some knowledge. It's always good to um, be informed. Thank you. Yeah, so we, we, we want you to be our, our resident financial person. So we'll call you back on the show so you can have us. Like if you have something that you think uh, our audience needs to be informed of, just let us know. We'll pull you back on the show. It's always good to talk money. Once again, I appreciate you. And uh, I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Nice. All right. That was informative. Yes, it was. Uh, as usual. So we will. <sighs> we have a question. It's a question. Address the question. This is a question. So what's the question? 
answer the question. Okay, so like we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, we have a segment called The Question. Uh, it's our weekly question. And uh, we put it out there. And what happens is if you answer the uh, question, uh, if you're the first one to answer the cor- the question correctly, you will get a surprise from Pot Liquor Podcast. And so today's question is, David's father has three sons. Can you name them? Two of them are Snap and Crackle, and the third one is Blank. So David's father has three sons, Snap, Crackle, and Blank. You name the third son, and uh, you'll be the first one to name it, and you will get a prize. Yes. Okay. Email your response. Yes, email the response. Thank you so much to mm-hmm. potlickershow at gmail.com. P-O-T-L-I-Q-U-O-R-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Good luck. Yes. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, little technical difficulties right there. Bear with me, mix boy. So, uh, all this month we've been doing little known black history and today we have Shalada uh, Bass. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Tell us about Miss Bass. For the record, this is my favorite song ever. Optimistic by the sounds of blackness. I just love that song. Whew. Gets into my soul. Okay. So, in honor of Black History Month, today we want to talk about Charlotta. Bass. Charlotta Amanda Bass was an American educator, newspaper publisher, editor, and civil rights activist. She also focused on various other issues such as housing rights, voting rights, and labor rights, as well as police brutality and harassment. She was born in February 14, 1874, and is believed to be the first African-American woman to own and operate a newspaper in the United States. She published the California Eagle from 1912 until 1951. And then in 1952, Bass became the first African-American woman nominated for vice president as a candidate of the Progressive Party. That is amazing. I always thought Kamala Harris was the first black woman to be a vice presidential candidate and now the actual vice president. But little did we know that there was Charlotte Bass that came before her. Yeah, very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. 
Charlotta Bass. Okay. First American woman to be a vice presidential candidate for the Progressive Party. All righty. 1952. That's news to me. I always thought Kamala Harris was was the first and only. I like, I like, I like okay, so our last plug of the week is always our podcast. And this and this week we are jumping into uh Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp. Um this is an excellent podcast too. Um to check it out. Shannon is very humorous. Uh, these are mostly one-on-one interviews with um uh celebrities, I would say sports and entertainment uh people um in that area and he has an in-depth conversation with them. Um it's called Club Shay Shay. Um if you know Shannon from Undisputable uh He's a very smart guy. He's wise. He has, you know, good questions, provocative uh, thinker. And um, I think you should check it out. Check it out on, uh, on you can get it on mostly any uh, platform. Uh, yeah, I've seen it on YouTube. Yeah, Club Shay Shay. Does he mostly interview celebrities? Yeah, and af- and athletes. So the athletes are celebrities, but I yeah. try to say um, sports and entertainment celebrities. Okay. Yeah, that's what he 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 does. Uh, so, and let us move on. Okay, so this is our last episode of the first season of Riches, um, episode six. So um, we're going to go over that right now. Yes. So on the season finale of the Riches, it was entitled Forgive, Maybe, Forget, Never. So in this episode, Alicia, Gus, and Wanda were finally able to crack the code to get Stephen's safe open. And inside the safe, they found an insurance policy worth 55 million pounds. Alicia also found information in the safe about Wanda's adoption. And Claudia wants her to keep that information a secret because she was out with a you know, she said it was only one time, but, um, and finally we find out that Gideon was the one who embezzled the missing 20 million pounds from the company's account. And Nina and Simone devise a plan to get the money back. Finally, in this episode, Maureen resigns, who is the long-term secretary for Flair and Glory. And we discover that Stephen had a sixth child with, lo and behold, the secretary Maureen. 
so yeah, this a lot happened in this episode. Right, but the yeah. uh the uh, other siblings and the wife uh uh don't know about it. It appears that they right, don't know about right. it. Right. I think it's I think it's a cliffhanger for the next season. Yes. Because remember uh, when also I think part of a, a cliffhanger was when Gideon said to Claudia, you know, he accused her of killing Stephen and said he had evidence of it, but we never found out what the evidence was. So to me, I think that's a cliffhanger for next season, don't you? I do. Um, yeah. It's sad that the uh, season, first season was only six episodes, but I think sometimes they do that on like uh, new shows, um, set them up with uh, not as many episodes. Because I think now with streaming, you're, you're looking for a minimum of 10. Mm-hmm episodes uh but you know because television if you're on abc cbs you usually get 22 of those um episodes for a season but this one has six so let's go through the four things we talk about when we discuss um our refill okay what made you laugh what made you cry what confused you and was there a word so to start it off, what made me laugh is when um, Nina and Simon go to uh, get the money back from Gideon at the private club. And before they go into the private club, Nina says to Simon, you know what I like about England? There's nothing you can't steal with the right accent. That British accent <laughs> works. And then it was also funny to me when they were trying to get into the private club and they were, you know, they were stopped and they were like, oh, do you stop all the black people to try to come in here? And the guy let him go. He had a little guilt and let him go in. That was funny to me. What what made you laugh? So the funniest part to me is when Andre and Gus were about to get into a fight again at Nina's and they were like, uh, the the sisters were like, no, let's stop, let's stop. And then Simon said, I don't know what y'all talking about. I'm here for all this chaos. Oh yeah, I saw that. He's like, I'm here for it. I'm here <laughs> for this. So, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was funny. Um, I didn't really cry, but what was kind of touching is when Nina and some and Nina and Simon went to visit Stephen's grave. Um, and then Simon says to Nina, "Is this closure?" And sh- and Nina said. We don't do closure. Family feuds and what did she say? Family feuds and generational trauma. And then Simon said said, the African way. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty. That that was deep because I think as black people, we do have that generational trauma that carries forward from generation to generation. Mm. And we're still experiencing it. I don't know uh, what's sad. I guess the ending was when you find out that um, more is it more is it Maureen the secretary yeah. yeah had a child. I guess she was keeping that hidden from everybody. I think you know that's kind of sad situation. Sad situation when you have to live in that way. Um, that's true. But don't feel too sorry for her. Stephen left her a lot of money. <laughs> no, I don't. It wasn't. So, it's not the sorriness. It's like the son has five siblings that he doesn't know about. We're assuming that he doesn't know about. 
Yeah. So um, if I had to pick something that was sad. It was also kind of sad to me when Nina was at Stephen's grave and she she said, I wish I had known you. Did you catch that? Yeah, I remember she said. Yeah, she said, I wish I had. That's pretty sad to have a a parent that you never really got to know, you know? Yeah. Never really got to know. So, yeah, that was pretty sad. So what can, well, I, I can talk about what confused me. I was kind of confused about the elaborate scheme that Gideon had set up to steal this money. <laughs> Ditto. I don't think they did a good job. job yeah. In that, or maybe it's just my naivete or my stupidity. Everybody. No, you kind of, no, no, it wasn't you. You kind of had to draw a chart to understand the flow of the money. And you needed a tutorial, really. Exactly. So from what I could gather, he established two companies besides Flair and Glory that was already established. He, uh, Gideon established OEM Holdings, which stood for his deceased son, Oliver Ethan Martin. So he set up this holding company that was used to purchase property. And he funded those purchases from this other company, the second company that he set up, which was JPG. And JPG bought Flair and Glory's trademarks and then lease them back to Flair and Glory. So Flair and Glory was paying JPG lease payments for the trademarks and he used that money to funnel it into OEM Holdings to purchase property. So I was like, boy. It didn't was... need to be that complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah so that was, was confusing. And what's the last one? A word? A word. So for me, it was a word when Nina and Simon went to meet Gideon to try to get their money back, which, by the way, they did get that money back. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Nina and Andre, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Nina and Andre, you're right. Yeah, it was, thank you. Nina and Andre went to try to get the money back from, from Gideon. And Nina tells Gideon, when he Gideon started defending himself going after all I've done for your father and all I've done for this company she was like God love a white savior go mm -hmm. take your hurt feelings to therapy I was like that's a word right there <laughs> that that was that was mine too actually yeah. God love a white savior also mm -hmm. um I guess the title of it too um I thought a word was when she oh. said that my father and you know was trying to figure out what was going on with the money and it killed him he, she says you don't get to live in peace oh um, right yeah. yeah i thought that was a word too so yeah. um i i enjoyed the the series um i especially like the fact that um the majority of the cast were dark skin uh characters um i thought that was excellent because you don't see that a lot i do appreciate that and they actually did deal with that issue remember the episode when flair and glory had that annual event where they picked a spokesperson for flair yeah. and glory and they were talking about that like they, they actually had a conversation yeah. about the dark skin mar yeah. models versus the light skin models and nina was like why do we always have to have like this ambiguous looking you know african right person. Yeah. yeah 
instead of just and so that's when they chose the darker skin model which was great yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right so check it out it was a, it was good i enjoyed it yeah looking forward to next season and let us move on oh hell no oh hell no yes this is one of our favorite segments it's um all hell no and this week the all hell no goes to the irs (laughs) married couples face heavier tax penalties than their white couples um so there's a lot going on with with that um and I, i i just found that whole article interesting it was very interesting so this came from a this is according to a report from the urban brookings tax policy center so yeah they basically compared um black and white married couples filing jointly with an adjusted gross income of between fifty thousand and a hundred thousand dollars so when they compared those two demographics, they found that with regard to marriage penalties yeah. and marriage bonuses, black people pay more and white people pay less. Right. So it says research black- nonprofit uh, think tank found that black couples were more likely to face marriage penalties, 46 percent to 43 percent and less likely to receive marriage bonuses 36 percent to 43 percent than white couples which is interesting to me yeah i mean that's basically put another way it's basically your tax bill is higher in some cases and then when you get a tax break it's lower for black people (laughs) so for example they for the penalties they said the average black couple would get thir- $1,394, $1,394 versus a white couple that would get $1,241. And, and I'm wondering, like, how, how mm-hmm. though? Like, how, you know, and it, it, if you go down further in the article, they said there's a growing collection of research on race and economics. Um, when you say how, you're talking about yeah, how, how how does this happen? Like how? Okay, so they did say there were several factors that contribute to that. One factor is they said black married couples tend to have children more than white married couples. And when you have children, your tax bill is typically higher. The other thing is black couples are more likely to have the same or similar incomes. And in that case, your tax bill is usually higher. If there's a disparity in the income, for example, the wife makes less and the husband makes more or vice versa, your tax bill is typically lower. And so black couples are more likely to have the same or similar incomes and therefore they have a higher tax bill. Okay. Yeah. So the way around that is you can you can be married filing separately instead of jointly. Okay. That might save you a few dollars. So that was our all hell no of the week. And let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up, yo. Give it up, give it up, gotta give it up. Give it up, give it up. 
Also, this week we're going to give it up to Howard University swim team being the first all-black team to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated. Hey, you. So my partner is an alum of I am. I'm a proud graduate of Howard University School of Law. Okay. Um, Morgan State University, Texas (laughs) Southern University. Um, but I'm happy. It's a, it's our sister HBCU, uh, fellow HBCU. So I am definitely happy for that. Uh, it's strange that it's 2023 and they're the first, you know, to do so. That's yeah, the first ever all black swim team to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated. And another thing that surprised me, which I did not know, is that Howard University has the nation's only HBCU swim team i did not know that yeah i didn't know that yeah so yeah they they're on the cusp of winning their first conference championship in 34 years they're breaking barriers and and debunking the myth that black people can't swim swim. (laughs) yeah yeah the women's team went five and three and the men's team went six and two okay Great. Yeah. That's a yeah. beautiful cover. It is. It is. Uh it definitely is. So with that being said, we are going to conclude our show with a recap. As always, we start with our plugs. Uh we plugged our product with Bose. Um, our brand was Valentino the Cologne, and our podcast was Club Shay Shay. All right. Um, our wow of the week was Fannie Lou Hamer's I'm Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired. Our stories this week we discovered, uh, discussed Brandon Miller. Uh, we discussed Abbott and diversity uh, hires in the state of Texas and Michael Irvin's situation or why he was asked uh, not to participate in the. Uh, the coverage leading up to the Super Bowl. Um, our weekly interview was with Mr. Roscoe Clinton, and he talked a little bit about financial literacy. Um, our question of the week was David's father has three sons, Snap, Crackle, and Blank. Um, our little known uh, black history fact uh, was for Charlotta Bass of being the first African American to run for vice president. Uh, we did our refill, Riches, the final episode of season one, episode six. Our all hell no went to the IRS. Uh, black married couples face heavier tax penalties than white couples, and we gave it up to Howard University's swim team. So as always in parting, I would like to thank everybody for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us today. And as always in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. All right. So we'll see y'all next week. That concludes episode eight.